Okay, so we are starting and recording and we are seeing some of the participants uh, filtering in. So we are gonna give people just a couple minutes to join us before we get things officially kicked off. And I do see that participant number is growing, which is great. That means people are getting in okay. They're finding us, they're seeing us. <laughs> Don't do anything weird guys, we're on camera. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good, Good morning, everybody. Wherever you all are. What time is it where you are, Gilbert? It's 5 p.m. in the afternoon. 5 p.m. All right. Yeah. So almost at the so end of the it, day. So, so what's in your mug? That's the question. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. It's tea, but I, depending how the interview is going, I might add some whiskey or... There we go. Yeah. That's what we would do with our 5 o'clock meetings here, too. Well, I hope I don't drive you to whiskey, but we'll see how this dialogue goes, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Okay. okay. People are coming on in. So as everybody's getting in, we, of course, would welcome you to uh, use uh, the chat. There's a little bottom uh, button right down at the bottom of the screen. You know, I feel, Mike, like when we started doing these a while ago, we were doing them before, you know, the world sort of went virtual. Uh -huh. We did a lot of explaining about how to use Zoom or where everything was. And now with this audience and after the last year and a half that we've been through, I'm like, y'all know where the chat is. You know where the Q&A is. You know where the chat is. You know what to do. Hit us up if you want to. Unless you have to go to Teams. Then I get all messed up. Oh, man. Are <laughs> now like breakout rooms. <laughs> okay, great. We've got people flowing in. Okay. All right, well, I think we're ready to go ahead and get things um, kicked off. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Uh, welcome to today's session. My name is Kaylee Agarito. Um, I head up marketing and events here at Great Data Minds. Um, Great Data Minds is a collective of passionate data activists. We are on a mission to modernize the world of data. Uh, we offer a full range of services when it comes to strategic planning, education, deployment of critical data projects. Um, and we also produce just a, a whole different uh, variety of events and um, data content, data, uh, different, different sessions about all different kinds of things. So please make sure that you find us at greatdataminds.com. Um, we actually have another session coming up next week. This is going to be one along the line of our executive interview series. We're going to be talking to Justin Boardman, who is the CEO of a quickly growing um, startup, Starburst Technology. So uh, make sure you check us out at our events page to see what's coming next. So a little bit of housekeeping before we get kicked off. We've already mentioned this, but um, this is a webinar session today. So everybody's cameras are off and your microphones are muted. You can do whatever you want. We won't get to see you, um, but we will be manning the Q&A in the chat, uh, so please feel free to enter in any uh, questions you might have there. We'll do our best to get to them during the session, but if um, we need to, we'll have a more formal sort of Q&A period at the end of the discussion today. Um, so some introductions for today's session. We are gathered here today to learn more about a wonderful book that uh, today's author has written, and we have Gilbert Eichelenbaum. You got it. You got it. Okay. I'm only saying it once, Gilbert. That was hard for my mouth, but I got it. You got yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> so as a former professional poker player, you can find Gilbert wherever psychology and data meet. 
Gilbert's academic background is in behavioral science, and he has built a fantastic career in data and analytics. He combines both worlds. Gilbert has founded the company MindSpeaking, which focuses on soft skill training for data and analytics professionals. And so last year, of course, Gilbert published a best-selling book, People Skills for Analytical Thinkers, and this is what we're going to be discussing today. Um, we also have Mike Lampa with us. Mike is Great Data Mind's very own Chief Analytics Officer. Mike has built an amazing career working with enterprises to transform their analytics programs, both in the modernization of legacy programs and the build from sort of the ground up of, of net new programs. Uh, Mike brings over 23 years experience as an executive analytics practitioner, and um, he has worked with many global 100 enterprises. It's quite a bio. Gentlemen, the two of you, just let's get, let's get after it. So Mike, uh, the floor is yours. Thank you, Dahlia. Mm -hmm. Gilbert, my friend, how are you today? I'm doing great. I just uh, had a workout outside and that all, that's always a great preparation for a conversation like this. Thanks. Yeah, great. How are great, you doing? Man. I'm doing well. I had a workout too. I got out of bed and uh, poured a cup of coffee and uh, I feel quite spent as a result of that. So. <laughs> great. All right. So my friend, this book. I bought it and devoured it. And I think I showed you before all the dog ear, you know, <laughs> little notes that I made on this thing. This is a phenomenal book. Um, and, you know, the title of it is for analytical thinkers, but my sense is people of all walks of life could benefit from some of the insights and uh, techniques that you're going to share with us today. But let me ask you, who did you write the book for? First of all, for myself, actually. So wow. I, wrote, I wrote the book uh, because I wanted to, to write down the lessons um, that, I, that I wanted to know. The book, creating a book that I wish I could have read when I started my career. Right. But of course, my goal was not to write something for myself, but for, for people, to help people, because that's what I'm really driven for. Mm -hmm. And But in the beginning, I was, I was not so sure how many people would buy it. Because, of course, the audience is analytical, most, mostly technical as well. Mm -hmm. So those people, are they really interested in, that, in all the psychology talk that I'm interested in? And, of course, I'm a person who understands data and analytics as well and also the audience. But I was, I was not so sure that it would fit well with, with the audience or that the audience would be interested enough in it. Mm -hmm. But I've been uh, quite blown away by, um, by the response. By the reception, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, and um, I'm I'm a fan. Oh my gosh, when I read through, it, I was like, oh, this is perfect. And and it, like I said, it was all walks of life. As I was reading through, as in my personal relationship, and you know, with family and, and partners, and um, just really, really, really cool. And then the analytical overlay on it, I found to be really fascinating. Um, the book is like broken down into four parts: being self-aware, optimizing interact and uh, influence just give me a little give me a preview before we get into the details around those four parts those, those four steps feels like there's some good technique underneath there mm -hmm. yeah what i believe and what also theory says before you make any steps and improve your people skills and communication first you need to know yourself better that's why mm -hmm. it starts with self-aware and understanding your algorithms we get it we'll get into that mm -hmm. and i talk about optimize which is about making changes in your in your behavior in your life to get the results you're after. And that part is mostly about yourself, one and two. 
Mm-hmm. And then three and four are, are more about other people. So once you have a better understanding of yourself and increased self-awareness, then you can also look at other people. What do they need? What type of communication style do they prefer? Mm-hmm. And eventually, if you know enough about pe- other people, how can you influence them positively? That's awesome. Well, well let's get into it. Um, but before we do, I want to ask you one question. What did you get out of the book for yourself? What did you get out of the book as a result of writing it? So much fulfillment. So much fulfillment. It's, it makes me so happy to mm. get an email from a person anywhere in the world saying, hey, this, this is how the book helped me um, in my work or in my relationship. And I'm not a, I'm not a counselor, but I got some messages as well. Hey, I got a, I had a conversation with my, with my spouse or with my girlfriend or boyfriend. And now we understand each other a bit better. And that gives me a lot of joy. Mm. And, and that uh, raises, gives me goosebumps. <laughs> all right. So all right, let's talk about knowing thy own algorithms. Right? Talk a little bit about that. What yeah, what I algorithms, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what I was clear about that I didn't want to write another book about communication. There's there are so many books about communication skills already, so I wanted to to write something different and write something specific for this audience, for analytical thinkers. So I was mm-hmm. searching for analytical concepts and how I can explain behavior. And how I how I'm doing that is through algorithms because what I say is that through all the things we learned and our experiences, we form algorithms and those uh, determine how we behave. Mm-hmm. To give a very practical examples, example, if you do drive in a car and you see a red traffic light approaching, and the question is what determines when you brake? There's a, there are a lot of variables involved, right? This, your speed, the distance, what type of car you are driving, what, what are the cars around you? And those are all rational variables. But of course, there may be some emotional variables as well. Like, do you have your car sick child sitting next to you and you don't want to break as hard? Or you're thinking, or you're on the way to work and your manager is waiting for you and you're pretty late. So maybe you're mm-hmm. going to rush through the red traffic light. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of different variables, both rationally, rational variables and emotional variables. Mm-hmm. And my point here is that as scientists or technology professionals, we focus a lot on the rational variables, but unfortunately, or fortunately, in all the interactions that we have with other people, those emotional variables are really important. So we also need to understand those. Then back to the concept of algorithm, because to give an example again, if you're walking in as a child, as a three-year-old child, you're walking in the kitchen and you see an oven turned on and you touch it, then you quickly learn, okay, the the hot stove is not to be touched. So I'm not going to do that anymore. So you create kind of an algorithm in your mind. If the oven is on, turned on, and I'm walking in the kitchen, then I shouldn't touch it. There are a lot of other rules that we learn as well. For example, if you have have an idea, but your mother always cuts you short and says, hey, that's that's unrealistic, Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's impossible, then you may adopt an algorithm. If I have a good idea, then I stay silent. And all mm. these algorithms, they still play a, a part in your professional and personal life and they determine your behavior. But luckily you can also change them. 
Yeah. So you talked a little bit about the, this concept of emotional intelligence. Could you share a little bit with us around that concept? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think from my, from my own experience in, in the past, I was always discounting emotions. I thought mm -hmm. emotions is, are just variables or things that distort the decision-making. The more emotions I feel, I see the, the worse my decision-making is because mm -hmm. we want, we need to be a data-driven company, not based on emotions, mm -hmm. right. you know, have all the facts on the table and analyze that. But if we do that, we all have only have half of the information and that's what I did. And basically if, so uh, you also mentioned I, I was a professional poker player in the past. So mm -hmm. basically I was only focusing on the, on the spades and clubs on, 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 on half of the cards and I was not paying attention to the emotional side. So the diamonds and um, so I was only focused on the spades and clubs and, and, and not focusing, paying any attention to the hearts and diamonds. Uh -huh. So I, in fact, I only had half of the cards, so half of the information. And I think if we don't pay attention to emotions of yourself and of others, we, we are missing out. And yeah, I think if we have a better understanding and awareness of our own emotions and of others, then we mm -hmm. can also make better decisions. So these algorithms, are, uh, obviously we, we've formed them over the course of our life, as you explained. Um, and some are probably very good. Are there also harmful algorithms? Yeah, absolutely. Because there's some of the algorithms are really good. You learn how not to touch the oven, as I said, but mm -hmm. some don't really help you. Um, I really struggled with saying no. I still find it difficult, but I kind of managed to find a way to to do it. Uh -huh. um, but so so what 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 happened? I said I'm I'm very really focused on helping other people. I find it important to to have good relationships and to to help other people. So, but every time when people ask me for help, I kind of said yes automatically. So that's an algorithm that I had, which didn't help me. And I need to work to become more aware of that moment when someone asked me for help and think, hey, is this really what I want to do or not? Mm -hmm. I just heard a description of somebody I know really, really well. <laughs> 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 so um, there's harmful uh, algorithms that we have to be aware of. And this is all around that self-awareness. Um, what about the uh, beneficial algorithms? What's the yeah. difference between harmful and the beneficial? Yeah. yeah, how I define it is that the beneficial one gives you the results you're after, you're looking for, and the harmful um, give, give the opposite, basically. So mm -hmm. to give an example of a beneficial algorithm is many, many engineers, many data, people working in data are structured and they see the pros and cons of new ideas quickly. Um, so this, this can be uh, an algorithm when someone presents an, a new idea, you can see the pros and cons quickly and you state it. On the other hand, data analytics professionals also tend to jump into quickly before getting the understanding. And if they get a request to create a dashboard, for example, many engineers and data analytics professionals, they, they love to jump in. They love to mm -hmm. go for it and investigate and jump into the data, open the laptop and let's go. But if this is your tendency, if this is your algorithm, then you probably miss some business context. Mm. Um, 
that's why this harmful algorithm in the end will not give you the results because you're, you may be creating a dashboard that is not in line with what the business actually needs. I miss the need. Oh. Right. Maybe you're giving what people want, but not what people need. Right, right. And sometimes it's hard to push back on that, right? Yeah, exactly. And then all their algorithms come into play with saying no and how to have a how to push back against uh, more senior stakeholders because, of course, uh, the many data analytics professionals are younger, uh, more junior, mm-hmm. more introverted. So that also adds to this complex mix of human dynamics, mm. but also that makes it so interesting. So talk to me about Batman and the Joker. I love that concept that came out of the book. Share a little bit of that with us. Yeah, thank you. So I I had this concept of beneficial algorithms, algorithms that that help you and harmful algorithms. But then I thought I was because I wrote the book while traveling around the world. I was I was in Guatemala. I remember the, the exact moment I was sitting there on the table uh, with my girlfriend. She was she was finding some finding the the next thing to do for tomorrow and i was sitting there with my laptop and i thought okay these harmful and beneficial algorithm algorithms i think the concept is good but i need to find a better name mm-hmm. and i thought okay they could be called batman and Al- batman and joker algorithms and why because batman is uh, is strong and knows what is the right thing to do even if it's difficult even in difficult situations mm-hmm. it chooses the right behavior on the contrary, the joker tricks you in the wrong behavior and is kind of manipulative. And that's what it feels like for me as well, these harmful algorithms. Even though I have a good intention, sometimes I display a behavior that doesn't really help me. For example, jumping in. If someone asks me a question, hey, can you find out the sales or create a dashboard? I have a tendency to jump in quickly instead mm-hmm. of asking a lot of questions and understanding the why. So I'm picking up a hint, though, too, Gilbert, that there's a kind of a temporal aspect to this. And what I mean by that is I'm doing things probably in good conscience or with good intent. But I'm doing things that are somewhat harmful and I'm doing things that are also somewhat beneficial. Um, And even the harmful ones could be a short term, like quick. benefit versus the mm-hmm. beneficial ones have a little bit of, of the longer term benefit. Am I hitting it right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think that's spot on because you, when you want to jump in or when you, or to, to give, to give another example, um, mm-hmm. because we had jumping in a few times, the, a lot of data analytics professionals, they also go into details a bit too much when they present their results to stakeholders. And many mm-hmm. of those stakeholders are not t- as technically savvy and don't have the, the, the knowledge and the context and understanding how that work, how that works mm-hmm. from a technical standpoint. And of course, the intention is good because you want to transmit your knowledge. You want to share all the steps that are that you have taken, you know, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of work involved. So yeah, of course it, yeah. yeah, exactly. And there's a good intention there. Just the question is, what's the result? You know, is the is the other person, the business executive, is he or she, is she still listening? Is she going to act after the meeting or is she going to put it on the pile and never look at it anymore? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So there was a thing um, in your book that I found really kind of fascinating. It was around the uh, self-awareness of our own algorithms. Um, the, the concept of the, the uh, tapper and the listener. Could you share a little bit of that with us? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there was a Stanford exper- experiment and what they, what they found is the, the, curse, the curse of knowledge. That's, that's how they call it. Uh-huh. And it was wonderfully illustrated by this Stanford experiment. So the curse of knowledge, I'll explain you what it is. The experiments went as follows. So there was one group called the tappers and one group the listeners and the tappers needed needed to tap a song it's a very simple song like happy birthday but the listeners did not know what type of songs song they were tapping and the tappers were just tapping and were not allowed to sing right but of course if you tap a song like happy birthday you hear the song in your head so it Mm -hmm. makes total sense to you but now the crucial question is was in the experiment they did it uh, with one tapper and one listener and mm-hmm. they asked the listeners or they, they asked the tappers what percentage do you think that the, of the listeners would guess it correctly guess the song correctly and they said 50% so they thought 50% of the listeners would guess the song correctly mm-hmm. but in the end it turned out that only 2% of those listeners um, guessed the song correctly and how they explain this is that because you're tapping a song, you have the song in your head, it makes total sense because I hear mm-hmm. happy birthday, but you just hear a series of taps and you think, what is this? Doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So this is a beautiful experiment because it shows that if you have knowledge, you're cursed and you cannot really imagine and empathize anymore with people that don't have that information and imagine what life is without having that information. And I think a lot of technical people have a lot of knowledge that not other people don't have. So I think it's important to become aware of that knowledge gap. Oh my gosh. And, you know, as, as Kaylee said earlier on, I, I've been doing this rodeo for a while and I, it, that was such a wake up call for me. It was like, you had to be aware of the fact that people don't really understand all these nuances that you have buried inside <laughs> your head. And so you got to step back. I love that. So right. as part of self-awareness, um, is it only just a, like an introspective self-awareness or, or do, I, do I try to reach out and make sure that I'm getting input from others? Yeah, I think both are very valuable and it depends on your, your style and preferences, what you, what you prefer. Mm-hmm. But I think both are very, very valuable because the introspection is good to, to think for yourself, to take time to write things down. Journaling mm-hmm. is, is, is really, really effective. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very insightful to see what you wrote five years ago and sometimes very, <laughs> I don't know, humbling, funny, yeah, uh, ridi- humbling. ridiculous to see what I thought five years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's also good because you see you, you, you're you growing, right? You think in a different way and that's also right, even though it feels uh, strange sometimes to, to read uh-huh. my own thoughts. But thank you to your question. Another important piece is asking for feedback. Because, of course, like we discussed with the curse of knowledge, it's hard to see ourselves objectively. It's see, see ourselves from the outside. So asking for feedback is really important. And one method that I often use is, is the start, um, start, start, stop, keep method. So you mm-hmm. ask people, what should I start doing? What should I keep doing? 
and what should I stop doing? So those three. Yeah. And that has been very, um, yeah, given me a lot of insights and it's difficult. And many people ask me, how do you do it? Because it's kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, you don't need to make it only about you, you know, where people are going to judge you, you as a person or, or a character. But if you ask them concretely about a certain task, about a dashboard or about a presentation, then it may be less daunting. Yeah. So I did this feedback and then um, you, you, you touched on the next, one of the next steps is to meditate on the feedback. Um, and I'm a, I'm a note taker, as anybody in great data minds will tell you, I, I take <laughs> constant notes, as, as you know. As you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, found, I found meditating on the feedback before journaling to be a pleasant surprise. Why, yeah. why should I meditate first and then journal? Yeah, I think meditation, I, I, I think it would, they, they are complementary, but uh-huh. I think meditation is, is, a, is a powerful tool. And the fir- I remember the first time I read about meditation, I thought, okay, I'm not a Buddhist and, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rational person. I, I like a bit of introspection and thinking, but it needs to be more intellectual or philosophical and not, mm-hmm. so bad, and not just sitting there and wasting my time. That's what I thought. Um, but then I thought, okay, maybe I'll give it a chance. I'm also into personal development. I want to grow. I want to know myself better. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, it was very hard to build the habit, but it gave me so much energy, self-confidence, insight in myself and in other people, more presence. So in a conversation like this, I'm way less thinking about other stuff like the beautiful plants in the back. So I'm less distracted, um, which mm-hmm. is which is a good thing. And yeah, I was I was not sure whether to put it in a book because many analytical thinkers uh, were like me, I think, saying, okay, meditation is too vague. It's, it's what is it? Mm-hmm. But then I thought, okay, I, I also changed my mind about it. And I think it's powerful. I think, I, I, I thank you for doing that because we need to be pushed out of our comfort zone, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and talking to- about, well, one, one thing I would like to add, talking about sure. pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, there's one, um, technique to ask feedback it's called the dinner of truth Um, and what it is is that you ask a friend or a colleague or someone that knows you well do you go out for a dinner or dinner at home and then you discuss a lot of things but for sure one question and that question is uh, what annoys you about me Mm -hmm. and it's powerful it's uh, scary as well what will people say but if you let people in and show that vulnerability, it can also lead to powerful insights. So yeah, well, it creates a deeper bond. That's for sure. But, yeah. but talk about a dose of humility, though. Whoo, loading. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's <laughs> tough, tough. Rolling with the punches. <laughs> all right, so I'm all self-aware now, um, and I've I've taken a heaping dose of humility. All right, and I've learned about a lot of things that are annoying others. Um, what do I do? What's my technique to change? Yeah, indeed, there, there's, there's a technique to change. Luckily, and if you don't want to, if you want to change your behavior, it's the best thing, best thing to do in three steps. So first of all, you need to have um, the awareness that it happens, right? If, mm-hmm. if, you, if you get, if we talk about harmful algorithms, you get impatient, or you jump in the data, or you go into details, or so whatever you wanna, you wanna change. So first, you need to have the awareness then you make a pause because you need to kind of not 
jumping directly because your algorithm is is automatically um, suggesting a behavior, but you need to resist that. So it mm -hmm. needs to you need to make a pause there. So after is that the emotion, mm -hmm. is that the emotional side that's causing that immediate wanting want to do something? Yeah, yeah, because the the brain has if you if you kind of summarize it, of course the brain is very complex, but if you summarize it, there's there are two systems. One is the the rational side, the neocortex, and mm -hmm. the other the other system is the limbic system responsible for processing emotions. And the emotional one is is much faster. It's really fast in the responses. And this is the field of behavioral economics that I really love. Yeah. Yeah, understanding that emotional response, that quick trigger, you that's what you need to have. Otherwise, you just display automatic behavior all the time. And of course, there's there are a lot of people who go through their lives uh, mostly un unconsciously, not really knowing what they are doing, mm. um, which is a sad thing because I think if you become more aware of what you what you want in life and what you want out of out of your career, and how how you can do that, that's great. So there was a bit of a detour uh, to the to the initial question. Yeah. Um, but you, yeah. Then, so you take the pause. You're you're aware. You take the mm -hmm. pause, and then mm -hmm. you implement a try a new behavior. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're presenting to an audience, you feel, hey, I'm I'm about to go into the details. Take a step back and try something else. Ask a question to the audience, or or try to better adjust the adjust your presentation to the to the audience, mm -hmm. and then keep on repeating it. And after some time, it's it gets becomes a habit, and then you will not fall into that pattern anymore, at least mm -hmm. not as often. Uh, so we talked about the uh, Joker and Batman, either uh, specific techniques for changing my Joker al algorithms versus my Batman, uh, optimizing my Batman algorithms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you if you talk about your Batman algorithms, so basically your your strengths, if you understand what you're what you're very strong at, what you're what you're good at, then you can also apply that in other situations. So, for example, I, I noticed in, in meetings that I had a, had a Batman algorithm every time we were kind of lost in a discussion and it was very cluttered, the, the conversation. Then mm -hmm. I, yeah, at some point I, I stood up and wrote on, the, on a whiteboard, okay, this is what the discussion is about. This, these are the different topics. Uh, we, park, we can park them. These are the other topics. And it brought so much structure in the presentation. I got a lot of feedback from other people that that was kind of a turning point in the discussion. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was easy, you know, it was nothing special, but of course that's what happens. If you're good at something, then you're not really aware of um, that. It's so special. And this is also what I call bright spots. And so instead of blind spots, your kind of weakness, you're not aware of, you'll, you may also have bright spots. And I think it's wonderful to, be aware of those because you can apply them in other situations. Right. For the better of others, to your point earlier. Yeah, yeah I love that. And, and then what do I do about the blind spots? <laughs> How do yeah. I do that stuff? That's, yeah. the, yeah, As, that's the elephant, isn't it? That's the beast. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 You need to ask for, for feedback a lot and and step by step become more more aware. Uh, journaling also helps. And mm -hmm. yeah. What what are what are the techniques that helped you the most in in the past to become more self-aware and to grow in your career. And does environment come into play too? Mm -hmm. Environmental settings. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What is what, Can you talk about that a little bit? What do I do about the environment around me? What are my options? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have a few options, right? You either accept it, mm-hmm. accept that you, if, so if you're in an environment where that you don't like, you either accept it or you try to change something. And um, I think a lot of people, including myself in the past, and I still, I still do, but so when, when they don't like a situation, they complain or they say, mm, I wish it was different, but they, they don't really take action. And they are not the person who says, okay, let's change it. For example, when a lot of people complain about the number of meetings in corporate environments, and I, I did too, because I think it's, it's ridiculous, but if everyone is contributing to it, right? If no, if no one is kind of pulling the plug and saying, hey, this is not what we want or, or uh, doing experiments with 20 minutes meetings instead of 30, then mm-hmm. nothing is going to change. So yeah, from complaining is easy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Accepting the situation doesn't really generate continual improvement and stepping out on the limb to change it is probably the hardest thing to do. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and to your point around meetings, I mean, they take hours and they give minutes. I like that. All right. So let's talk about the iceberg, right? So we're, we're pretty self-aware now we got to start figuring other people out. So talk to me a little bit about the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. So the iceberg, um, maybe most of the people in the audience that have seen it, but it's, it's a picture and uh, only the top is visible, the top of the iceberg, the rest is below the water surface. And what it illustrates is that we see the behavior of other people where we don't see the what's below it. Mm-hmm. And so it's worth discovering what are, uh, what's below the surface from, from other people. What are their needs? What are their beliefs? And the only way to discover them is by talking to them, right? Ask mm-hmm. questions, ask open questions and have meaningful conversation. Because if you know what drives them, instead of only knowing and seeing what, what they do, if you know what drives them, that also makes it easier to build meaningful connections and also influence people. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and how do I ask people about their other algorithms? I walk them to yourself. What's your algorithm? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could you could do that, yeah. um, but uh, <laughs> I, it's probably not so effective. Okay. But 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 indeed, uh, yeah, you can you can just uh, talk with them and have 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 a, have a good conversation. Ask ask questions about their their interest. I mean. Mm-hmm. And what, what I think is important is that, or what many analytical thinkers tend to do is, and I, I, I did as well, is focus on facts in conversations. But the facts is not what, what connects people. So if you, I go, I go to Italy next week on a, on a holiday. So imagine we speak in two weeks and you ask me, hey, how was the holiday to Italy? And I say, well, yeah, yeah, it was good. We, uh, I, I took a flight from Amsterdam to Sardinia and then we rented a car and we drove around and we visited four cities and we went to the beach. It was great. What did you learn? You know, about me or nothing because everything was about facts. Everything was dry. And uh-huh. if I, and, and if you ask me more questions mm-hmm. and if I, and if I share a bit more about my why, you know, what, what, what made it so interesting and, why do I like Italy or the beach or pasta or whatever? Then do you learn a bit more? And of course uh-huh. it works the same in a professional setting. So if you're 
if 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 you're a if you're a director who is responsible for for sales, then mm-hmm. of course I can ask you a few very dry questions. But if I know more about your personal interest and what your goals are for for that year, I I also know better how to contribute to that. And I think that's what many data professionals forget is that it's not about the data; it's about helping other people make better decisions. And if you know how those people make decisions, then you can contribute to it. And if you know, so it's like the thing I love about this, Gilbert, is the value that is produced by showing a true, um, genuine interest in other people. Yeah. I mean, you learn, but the other person gets something out of it as well, doesn't? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you kind of help the other person by understanding understanding him or her because mm-hmm. then you can see where you connect you know on a on a like a uh, a colleague level or mm-hmm. or friend level but also on a colleague level creating a better team and producing mm-hmm. better results yeah and uh, boy i've been on a couple of teams like that where it's just like me yeah, yeah how does it feel to yeah. be on such a team mm-hmm. goosebumps are coming up again my friend all right, so but some people are difficult. How do I deal with difficult behavior? Yeah, of course it's uh, it's no not only uh, what's the expression butterflies and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but butterflies and, and, and moonbeams. <laughs> moonbeams, yeah. Bodies and roses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course there there some some interactions are are tough, and what is mm-hmm. what is important is that you keep seeing the person right even if someone is angry or frustrated or um got you cuts you off short and um you can become very resentful and not not say anything about it but the person also has a has mm-hmm. a reason maybe you slept a had a had a bad day of sleep or whatever um so i think it's i think it's important to look through that and if you're really bothered have a conversation because i think most of the frustrated people don't have that conversation yeah. and it doesn't need to be hey you're you're an ass or you're uh you're this and that but you can yeah but you can have a conversation hey i i this is what i noticed and uh, i was a bit surprised and yeah. if you start the conversation that way it won't be uh, a big fight mm-hmm. and avoid judgment yeah yeah exactly um Another thing that really struck me was the concept of confirmation bias. Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's a concept uh, coined by Daniel Kahneman, and he's a behavioral economist. And what it what it says is that once we have a certain belief or idea, we tend to stick with it, with it, and we find try to find um, uh, evidence that confirms our prior beliefs. Mm. So, so if I'm, imagine we work together and in the first interaction, we, um, yeah, you, you ask a question, which I think is unnecessary because it was said before, Mm -hmm. then I might create a belief in my mind saying, oh yeah, Mike, um, he's, he's, he's not a very good listener or he's not very competent. But if I do that, then this belief might stick with me for quite some time and might stick with you because I put a sticker on you. And mm. that's, that's difficult because maybe it's not totally not true. You know, maybe it's an incident. So we just need to 
refrain from um, stickering and labeling like that yeah. because it, yeah, it creates some problems. We got to go dive down underneath the uh, surface of that water and look at those needs and beliefs down there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So the concept of the nice guy. Yeah. What's wrong with being a nice guy? Yeah. What I stated in my book is that I was, I was a very big, nice guy. And it sounds like a, like a compliment to myself, but it, but it isn't because a nice guy is, is also a person who tries to um, get validation and keep a relationship cool, but not, not, or, or positive, but mm -hmm. not because, not only because he or she wants to have the, the, the positive relationships and wants to make others feel good, but also because at least speaking for myself, also because I didn't want to have that confrontation. I didn't want to have that difficult conversation. Mm. So I, I tried to kind of, if you, if you look at it technically, I was kind of manipulating in other people into liking me, which is, which is total BS, of course. Yeah. And that's not, a, that's not being a nice guy because an, a nice guy, an actual nice guy or a nice girl is someone who makes other people happy because he or she thinks that's the right thing to do instead of trying to eagerly uh, do everything for others in the hope that uh, you will get the validation. And you get to stay in the, in the tribe, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because from, from many years ago, we, it was so difficult, so important to stay within the tribe and, and get the validation because if you were strange or had strange beliefs, you might be kicked out out of the tribe and and that was deadly when back the back then when we were fighting the saber two tigers so so it's still with us uh thanks to uh all the years yeah thanks to evolution right yeah, yeah absolutely so the opposite of the nice guy is is it a bad guy or girl or yeah i call the opposite of a nice guy a mind speaker all right and so uh, that's yeah yeah and so the a mind speaker is someone who who, who's who's not pleasing others, you know, and eagerly trying others to to be liked, but just has really good values and likes him or herself already. So he doesn't need all that validation. And that's actually a much better per, better person because he or she gives a lot still, but only because it's the right thing to do. And that's a big difference. It's not with the intention to trick others into liking a uh, person right. and yeah and, and and that's how i feel more right now compared to the past that was more of a nice guy where i was trying to please others in the hope they would like me back but that's not really a strategy is it no no it's not it's not as authentic as it needs to be exactly, yeah. exactly. all right so we talked through the uh, self-awareness and really learning to understand others. And we talked about optimizing our own behaviors uh, as a result of self-awareness. Um, the other part was around influencing. Is that manipulation, mm -hmm. influencing others? Yeah, okay, it's open. That, uh, what does the mind speaker do there? <laughs> yeah, it's um, what, what the distinction between influence and manipulation for me is that manipulation is with bad intent. Influence is, is real positive intent. If I'm if I'm managing a group of data scientists and I'm 
I'm trying to steer someone in a, in a certain direction, it's because I have um, a positive outlook in mind for him or her and trying to create the, the best team possible. And not because, you know, I want, I'm after my own goals, my own selfish goals, mm-hmm. because that would be manipulation. So that's the difference for me. Oh, and so that kind of falls back on, you know, the, you got that emotional elephant coming out that loves to, it is so easy to listen to the irrational, emotional side of your head, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a absolutely. big chunk. Versus yeah. listening to the writer that's rational, that's steering that darn elephant, the little writer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I spoke to about the, the two systems in our brain, the yeah. rational and the emotional brain. And, and uh, the metaphor that I use in my book is that uh, it is an elephant and the rider. So the elephant is the emotional brain and the rider on top is the, is the um, rational brain. And of mm-hmm. course, the rider, the person is, is much smaller. The elephant is 40 times heavier. Mm-hmm. And therefore... The elephant, the emotional brain has all the power. So when the elephant sees a candy or is impulsive, he or she goes left or right. And the rider can try to steer the elephant in the right direction, but it doesn't really work because Mm. the elephant is 40 times heavier. And yeah, so those impulses or those emotions are so strong. And if you don't pay attention to it, if you're not aware of it, then it's hard to understand yourself and also the drivers of other people because in the end all those executives are of course they are collecting their data and trying to make good decisions mm-hmm. but but all all those people are mostly driven by emotions and most of the decision making is based on emotions and then uh, justified with rational data right and the emotions are those quick fire, short-term things versus the rational, the longer term, longer good. Oh, gosh. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we need to understand if we want to influence others. So why would I start sharing my, my you know, proactively sharing my algorithms out with others? Yeah, it's important for people to know what what you stand for and what your, what your beliefs are. And mm-hmm. to give a very concrete example, they also need to know how you like to communicate because some mm-hmm. people like to communicate um, uh, very often and like to communicate over phone. But if you don't express that, if you don't say to your manager what you find important or what, th- what your career path is, then it's, it's hard. It's hard for that person to, to guess what your preferred way is. And once you start sharing that, you show more of yourself. And I think a lot of analytical thinkers, including myself, have the tendency to not share so much because because it doesn't really add to the conversation and we we tend to have a high threshold for for sharing stuff mm-hmm. you know maybe uh compared to um a very expressive person who shares a lot of a lot of things about him or herself so what are the steps to getting to that influence yeah, there's there are three steps to uh to influence other people another set of three huh yeah, three, three, three. Everything is three. That's right. <laughs> yeah, first you you need to be aware of what you want, right? And that sounds pretty logical. And it is. Mm-hmm. And the second is understanding what the other person wants. And third, you try to influence them. So you state what you want, but keeping 
the needs and the, the algorithms of, this, of the other person in mind. And what many people tend to do is skip step two. Because mm. what they do is they want something and then let's go to step three and saying that you want it. But it's very influencing. It's not so much about manipulation. It's also looking for win-wins. Mm. Because if I want something and it's much easier to get you on my side if I, um, if I know what you want as well. Mm-hmm. because then we can get to a, a win-win situation. So if I want to go to Italy and you and you want to go to France or Canada, say Canada, then we can keep on debating, will it be Italy or Canada? But maybe I can also look deeper. Hey, why do you want to Canada? Why do you mm. want to go to Canada? Maybe mm. because you love the, the Rocky Mountains, right? You want to go to the Rockies. And, and I also want to go to the, the mountains in Italy. So why not? Kind of meet in the middle, but at least to a place where they have mountains. Mm-hmm. There you go. So getting to the underlying principles and motivations, which goes mm-hmm. back to going under the yeah, iceberg. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also what what needs what needs to be done for data and professionals. So you need you need to get buy-in and being able to persuade other people, and mm-hmm. to do that to get buy-in and to uh, become good at persuasion. You need to understand what drives other people, what they find important instead of your own selfish uh, goals, leave, mm-hmm. set them aside for a bit and think about what do they want. And the same with data storytelling. You need to be uh, very conscious of what they need and what type of language they use. Mm. Interesting. You, you referenced uh, uh, one of my favorite books uh, that I read years ago, probably 30 years ago now, was uh, Getting to Yes. And, yeah. and that one concept right there is instead of positional negotiation, you know, drawing a line in the stand, I'm going to take this position and by golly, I'm not going to move from it because now if I have to, I'm going to be embarrassed versus the under principle of negotiation, really understanding why, you know, why are you right. needing this, right? Yeah. Exactly. Talk to, me, talk to me too about walking to the other side of the table. Yeah, it, it ties in really nicely with what we have just discussed because in my book, I have this this picture of of a uh, of a sixty one, and you're you're standing in in front of a table, and you're both discussing what you see, and you clearly see it's a sixty one, and the others the person on the other side of the table is saying no, it's not true, it's not true, mm-hmm. until finally you the other person says hey come 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 here, then you can finally see what I see. So you walk up to the other side of the table. And then the perspective changes and you see, okay, it was 19. So you both were right. And of course, mm-hmm. this is a very simple example, but it illustrates that if you walk to the other side of the table, you might find something, you might get some insights that you were not able to see. Yeah. And you first need to see the other person's perspective and, and learn about the, the motivations, the drivers, before you can get someone to see your world. Yeah, that's awesome. So self-awareness, optimize our own stuff, interact with other people, um, and work to be a positive influencer. A beautiful, beautiful story. So I, we mentioned a little bit earlier, you have a lot of techniques that you articulated in the book. And of course, I, I'm not going to really absorb all those just from a book, but boy, it sure opened my eyes. Do you, 
do you have courses or are you teaching these kinds of techniques to others where they can take advantage of it? Yeah, what I what I offer is uh, is, is training for companies. So I create training programs for for companies and also have open workshops that, that people can join as an individual. Uh, the workshops are mostly focused on on data scientists, analysts, mm-hmm. and yeah, what the, what they learn is they get a better business understanding, asking the right questions to understand what the business really needs. Um, another workshop is about persuasion. So how can you persuade anyone? So someone in HR, marketing, sales, and mm-hmm. how do you deal with those different personalities? And another workshop, the third one is data storytelling, which is all about yeah the story framework that let you communicate your insights not through dry data but through a story that is mm-hmm. captivating that inspires them to take action because i'm i'm so sad if i see people getting great insights but then they are not adopted they're not adopted by the stakeholders by the decision makers mm-hmm. even though they may may have helped the business and i think through those tools and data storytelling you will get have a much higher chance of uh, succeeding. Yeah, getting that adoption, for, which is going to get to those outcomes. Oh my God! So great call to action. Uh, where, where can I find your your courses? Is it out on your website? Yeah, it's on my website. So mindspeaking.com. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, that that's where you can find uh, the courses. Uh, so those are inter- interactive workshops. So what I what I found very important is is people skills. So you need to practice. And what people find valuable is, is meet people all over the world and sh- share insights. And it's cool to see that many people are challenged by the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and through, yeah, through practice, you really improve because just by, yeah, you, I think you can learn five, read 500 books, but in, mm-hmm. the, in the end, communication skills and people skills is about practice. And that's what I right. focus on in the workshops. And there is a lot of research that has been, recently published around the concept of hybrid jobs where we got to build up our soft skills and marry those to our technical skills because those are going to be the most valuable and sought after uh, people. So yeah, my friend, I love, I love mind speaking with you, my friend. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I really, uh, I really enjoyed today and great conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Also to hear a bit about your experiences, what your, your reflections after reading the book. So thanks a lot. Yeah, well, it's an inflection point for me, my friend. Beautiful. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, sir. Yeah, this is great, guys. So we, we have just a couple minutes left and we'll certainly open it up. Um, if anybody has any questions, they are free to put it into the chat or into the Q&A and we will try to get to it. Um, but just listening along has been fascinating and I wanna commend you, Gilbert, for adding in um, meditation to uh, the book as well, because I think a lot of what you're talking about is, you know, personal development, self-development, you know, people skills, soft skills, things like that, that are not necessarily focused on in school or are not taught when children are young. And there's, at least in my own life and on my own journey, I've had to do a bit of unlearning um, kind of along the way. And, you know, adding meditation and using that as something that you're going to, you know, start to broadcast to perhaps a demographic who hasn't heard of it or, I mean, heard of it. Yes, but not, maybe not practicing. That's how you control that elephant. You know, that's definitely Mm -hmm. in my experience after meditating for many years, this is how you can call, you can put a little bit of a buffer between yourself and that rational impulse. 
and you know, take 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 that minute. So there are, there are practical applications for meditation, even if it does seem a little bizarre at first. So I'm, I'm I love that you added that. Yeah, same here. Really cool. Here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we're just seeing just a whole bunch of thanks coming through um, on the huh. chat, and uh, I think this was a wonderful session, Gilbert. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Just like um, Gilbert mentioned, if you are interested in learning more, of course. Go out to Amazon and get the book, People Skills for Analytical Thinkers. Um, if you are interested in taking one of the workshops or learning more, you can go to mindspeaking.com. And of course, um, here at Great Data Minds, uh, we are so thankful that you chose to spend this hour with us. We invite you to come back to our website as well, greatdatamines.com, see some of the other events that we have coming up. Um, and with that, we wish everybody a wonderful day. Thanks, Thanks everybody. everybody. Take care. Bye. Thanks.